Hello, everybody. I'm sure by now most Trekkies out there have learned of the passing of Nichelle Nichols. She passed away, I believe, on July 30th, uh, Saturday, at the age of 89. And she is, with her passing, we are left with only, I believe, only three left of the original uh, actors who played uh, on the bridge crew of the Star Trek, the original series. And... So I'll take a few moments here to just uh, speak a little bit about Nichelle Nichols herself and then also like her contribution, uh, her major contribution. And of course, what's what Star Trek means to a lot of us and also what I've kind of articulated in the past of what it what Star Trek has meant to me personally. Now, just a little bit of background. Uh, some of you may already n know this, but Nichelle Nichols was kind of a stage and uh, an actor, a bit of a singer of everything in the 1960s and actually had met Gene Roddenberry before Star Trek. And actually, later on in her autobiography indicated that they were they uh, had a relationship before the show. And when he finally got his show off the ground, he casted her as Noyota Uhura, the communications officer of the Starship Enterprise. This is a major, this is a bridge officer. It is a major role. She's on screen. Because you know most of this most of the show is shot on the on the bridge of the Enterprise, and that's where a lot of the action is on the original series. So she's there all the time, and she plays key roles uh, in a number of episodes, and is 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 a big deal. And it was also obviously a major big deal because she was the, one of the first black actors to have a, a role in a major TV series, let alone a black woman, and to have you know a recurring role, uh, not just as a supporting actor actress, not just as a love interest or a wife or a mother. So that, these were all very big deals. However, after the first season of Star Trek, she was thinking of leaving. Uh, she had a chance to go, I believe it was a show on Broadway, and she was always she always thought of herself as a stage actor more than anything else rather than TV. I think also she just generally wasn't, just didn't really, wasn't getting as much out of uh, the show. And so she wanted to move on to something that she enjoyed more and wanted to do. And she wrote her letter of resignation. She gave it to Gene Roddenberry. Uh, Gene asked her to take the weekend to consider. And if she still wanted to do it, he would accept it and, and help her, uh, you know, move, carry on their career and everything and not try to fight it. So Nichelle goes to, I believe it was an NAACP meeting. And this is a lot of this is in Wikipedia. It's also in her autobiography and also in interviews and things. I mean, she's explained a lot of this and kind of filled in, as the years have gone by, filled in some of this. Not all of this was known. Obviously, very little of this was known at the time she was shooting the TV show. And I'm not even sure how much was known when she, they were shooting the movies in the 80s. But we know it now. But we also know, and but the big event and the thing that, everyone knows is that she was approached by Martin Luther King who was a fan of Star Trek and talked her out of leaving and you know, indicating how important she was as a role model, as a figure, as being a black woman on a TV show, an officer, uh, somebody, an astronaut, basically. I think a lot of people in that time were looking at the people on the Starship Enterprise as astronauts because this was also around the time of the Apollo program and whatnot. So while we maybe don't use that word that much now for when, I mean, I don't use it when I describe the crew of the Starship Enterprise, but yeah, they were astronauts. And, you know, he highlighted how important that was, you know, for her to be an astronaut, for, you know, to think that, 
know, this is, this is possible. And the big thing was, is that he knew at the time, and he was absolutely right. If, if, if this, um, retelling of his words is correct, is that the role is not the role of a horror or the role of the communications officer on the enterprise is not a black role and it's not a woman's role. In other words, they could, they could recast her or simply replace her with another communications officer that could be anyone. And it worked. She changed her mind and stayed on the show and then also filmed, I think, six of the movies. Later on, uh, people like Whoopi Goldberg, who played Guinan on Star, uh, Star Trek uh, The Next Generation, uh, several astronauts and several people at NASA uh, have indicated uh, that she was an inspiration to them. And really, that's not too surprising because later on in her career, she joined, uh, joined with NASA to work on a program to help recruit more women and more uh, minority recruits to the NASA program. And that program was a success. She uh, Another thing that, uh, I mean, everyone also, a lot of people are probably familiar with this as well, but another high key, high moment that really re- a lot of, uh, you know, changed a lot of things and is notable is the, uh, the kiss between her and William Shatner on, uh, I think it was Plato's Playground uh, episode. This is one of the first interracial kisses on a television. It wasn't the first, but it might have been the most high profile because it's the one spoken of uh, more often than than others. Things like that, groundbreaking, uh, altering, showing that, you know, just showing these things, regardless of the context, was significant at that time. Now, this all occurred, uh, you know, years before I was born, so I can't speak to it as a first person, but. The way it is described by others that were there of that era, the way it's described by the figures involved, this this is really what Star Trek, the original series, was was doing. It was significant. It might not have been had the highest ratings. It might not have been the most critically acclaimed. I'm not entirely sure. But it changed a lot of people. And Star Trek has a very, very special place, not because it's the biggest, not because it's the most lucrative, and not because it has, you know, the, you know, the, the most awards and things like that. It has an impact in, as entertainment and also in provoking thought and impacting the real world. And I think that's what, a lot, I mean, that's what a lot of people would like to do now and want to do now. They've said as much and they talk about it in interviews. A lot of showrunners, content creators uh, for Star Trek and other TV shows sci-fi fantasy you know normal dramas on tv a lot of them want to change the world and they come in with an objective and they come in with uh, an idea and often speak of you know stories and things to uh, you know show the reflect the world as as our current world of 2020 2022 whatever 21st century i i question whether how many of them are actually changing the world just because you want to doesn't mean you'll succeed and just because you have the passion and the drive to do it doesn't mean you'll succeed but uh that's more of a discussion of where things are now not michelle nichols but i think her role uh especially in the movies uh in the later on which is i'm a little bit more familiar with the movies she's a member of the crew she is an equal she doesn't get the most screen time. If you want to judge, you know, roles by screen time or, or some other really superficial and, you know, frankly, uh, childish metrics, then yes, maybe she wasn't one of the she wasn't one of the big three: Spock, uh, Doctor uh, McCoy, or Shatner. But she mattered. 
she mattered in most of the movies she mattered uh she impacts the events in a number of areas uh most of the star trek uh characters you don't see much of their life off the ship their entire life is on the ship and it doesn't you know usually their romantic or family lives are only a bit here and there and so you don't get that kind of full background but you didn't get that background on hardly any of the characters that wasn't just unique to uhura but another way just another way of saying that just being on the bridge just being a member of the crew and just impacting the show in her role was huge and there's no there's no way there's no way of imagining the enterprise uh bridge or crew without uhura it doesn't it doesn't make any sense um if she would have left and it would have been recast it would have been it's very hard i mean who who the hell knows would have filled that role but it's hard to believe anyone could have had the impact on the show and the impact on the world that she would have that she had knowing gene maybe he would have tried to you know uh i don't know actually it's hard to tell i don't know if you want to recast a character with just a new actor and actress after one season it has been done other shows do it but maybe gene roddenberry because he obviously felt strongly about uh nichelle nichols and actually uh there's reporting that he teared up when she said she would stay and he showed her the letter of resignation that she submitted you know the few days before he had already ripped it up <laughs> so but turning kind of to the impact of star trek and that nichelle nichols and uh, lieutenant ohura very big part of it is that it's positive it was optimistic the stories were clever the the themes and the things that that show portrayed were done in a clever way uh things were often not black and black and white because the the themes they're normally displaying are in the grays they are moral ethical political some of them are you know more on the point and probably are more more akin to you know to the uh thinly veiled propaganda or maybe just you know the author the writer or the screenwriter just basically wanted to get their own eyes across i mean star trek is was guilty of that at times but at its best it made people think and it had an impact on writers to this day futurama has taken the the kind of spoof or parody you know science fiction cart animated show with by the creator of the simpsons pulls a lot of references and a lot of ideas from the original series of star trek and a little bit somewhat to the next generation but you can see the impact on sci-fi nerds and how people see the future that so many of these ideas even resonate now and they the callbacks to them are are very significant but it was optimistic the federation was like the best of the best the starfleet was the best of the best the federation was uh more more like the un than the us and it was kind of where we would be and if you looked at the bridge of the the starship enterprise you could see where gene ronberg was going in addition to having a black woman as a communications officer you have obviously you have somebody who's a stand-in for an alien uh, in Spock, but you also have uh, Chekhov, a Russian a, a officer of obvious Russian descent, and Sulu, somebody of uh, Japanese descent. They don't really I don't know if they ever really called themselves Japanese or Russian or called back to the job, but it was obvious what they who they were. Not only just we had just fought a war about 15, 20 years before this with Japan. And Japan was one of our greatest enemies, and we fought a very, very bloody war. And there was still some bad attitudes towards uh, Japanese and Japanese Americans. George Takei himself, I believe, uh, spent time in uh, the internment camps. So Gene Roddenberry wrote a story where, in the future, 
there is somebody from Iowa as captain, and there's an officer from Japan, and there's an officer from Russia, and this is right in the height. This is right in the midst of the Cold War. So, in other words, we're this at this. There, we're past all that. We're that's the future. We are past all that. The Federation has already conquered all those issues reflected in the world of 1969. It wasn't a reflection of the world of today. They weren't trying to show in science fiction, in this speculative future world, the problems that we were dealing with directly uh, in the Federation. What they did do is demonstrate it often with the alien races and with some of the issues they would find on planets within the Federation. So they weren't really a direct, you know, kind of one-to-one, the Federation equals the U.S. because the U.S., was the U.S.'s problems and issues were being reflected in the the issues and problems of these alien races. So, you know, this wasn't patriotic. This wasn't meant to be the U.S. because Gene Roddenberry and, and the writers knew that the U.S. had flaws and issues to work through, and things were happening that were extremely uh, extraordinary. Uh, the 60s overall was an extraordinary decade. I mean, we we bitch and moan about our own time, but the 60s, a president was assassinated. A presidential candidate, his brother, was assassinated. A number of civil rights leaders were assassinated. There was a riot outside of a uh, national convention, as I recall. I believe that was 1968. There was, I mean, peace demonstrations everywhere. There was violence. There was uh, you know, the Civil Rights Act. I mean, there was, it was, and then, you know, the hippie movement and Woodstock and the music, the devil's music, you know, the uh, Elvis, of course, is is getting was already around in the fifties, but like was very large. All these things happened in that decade. Oh yeah, and then the Vietnam War also happened in that decade. A war where fifty eight, I believe, it was fifty eight thousand Americans were killed. We had we were forced to withdraw in the seventies, but by the end of sixty eight, you know, LBJ had to did not run for another term, basically because of the unpopularity of the Vietnam War at that moment. And Nixon won, and we all kind of know what happened after that. So it was a crazy time. And they took some of that, a little bit of the craziness there, and they put it in the show. Now they it's more it's some of it's more subtle than others, but it was always clever. It was always it was usually clever, it was usually smart. It was usually not a way of indicting one or the other. It was more about thought. It was more about how individuals deal with these things directly, not about these some of them were not the most clever and some of them were kind of on the dot. Others were much smarter. Balance of terror is a, it comes to mind in the the kind of Cold War mentality. It's really um, it was smart. It was smart and it was clever and it pulled from you know great thinkers and philosophy and ethics and morality. Uh, they would you know cite Shakespeare. They would cite other major kind of uh, canonical works in the Western tradition. They obviously did not have familiarity with the other traditions, but what they did. But of their own canon, they dug deep. And they obviously were you know, classically, the writers were classically educated and knew how to do this. Now, of course, they had to tone it down for a major television series, and yet they still managed to succeed in conveying these things to an audience effectively, despite them being kind of higher brow, let's say. You compare that to today, like the writers... It's, it's clear the writers do not have the same background. They do not appear, I mean, Star Trek writers in particular are not classically educated. If they are, they went through the easiest program imaginable. 
my guess is most of them went to film school, most of them went to creative creative writing courses, and they took a few English and history courses as electives and probably didn't do that well. I say that because I took these courses, and I also took English courses, and I didn't take film courses, so you know I can't give them comment too much on how they their techniques. Only I can only comment based on an audience member, but I can say that they're not competent in conveying these ideas effectively because it's obvious from what they write they barely understand them themselves and oftentimes they're completely clueless another and and couple tv shows and i've mentioned this they don't even try they're just trying to be star wars light uh without the magic and the laser swords they don't they're not even trying they're just trying to be fast and furious in space they're trying to be action they're trying to be uh, you know, the man of action or the woman of action. Uh, they're trying to show weird aliens doing weird things and the humans kind of making fun of them. I mean, they don't take any of this stuff seriously. They just, I mean, imagine if, to me, sometimes it feels like the jock got a hold of, uh, you know, the, the sci-fi, had to do a sci-fi writing course uh, assignment. And that's what they shoot out because it does literally feel like Fast and Furious in space. Fast and Furious is an action, as a car action show or car action movie franchise, which makes a lot of money internationally, not so much in the U.S., but enough, but obviously has made billions overall. It's a very specific type of product, type of entertainment. And it's very, and if you know action and you know that kind of stuff, it's a lot, it's not really that hard to write. Why? Because when you when you watch that stuff, you're not watching for the writing. Star Trek, they're just like, oh, we'll just do the same thing. Explosions, war, um, Quirk, you know, badass one-liners, um, damn, you know, damn the regulations, all this stuff uh, from writers that clearly never served in any military capacity whatsoever, uh, or did not receive a classical education of the Western canon, or any canon of that matter. People that have been living in California, uh, in a California bubble for an extended period of time, it's also not optimistic. It's not positive. It's not what Nichelle Nichols and what they were doing in the earlier shows. It's not showing us a bright future. It's showing us a future that looks just like today. And it's not even a very, it's probably not even the fairest depiction of what's going on today. It's more of a pessimistic, basically trying to make us feel like shit about where we are now. It's pessimistic. It is negative. It is one hero fighting against, you know, you know, it's basically a hero's journey. Star Trek was never supposed to be a hero's journey. It's an episodic like format. So they're just they're changing the format, they're changing the the overall perspective of the show, they're changing the worldview, and all these things. They're just using the same ship names and technology and, and techno babble, some of the same characters, and that's it. That is that is basically fan fiction. And that's why that's why when you see these stuff now and you see these actors and writers and they talk about doing doing the exact same things and giving themselves all this credit. Because they want to be, they want to be what Nichelle Nichols was for Star Trek, the, the original series, and for for the civil rights movement, for anything else, sixties, seventies. They want to be a they want to be a revolutionary and an advocate and a, a vehicle of an agent of change and progress. Now, that's what they want from this show more than anything else. Nichelle Nichols didn't even know she was important to the civil rights movement after the. It, it took Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King to tell her that. To her, it was a job. She had no idea how important it was. And then even once she was on the show, she just went back and did her job being on the Enterprise. It seems like the only great thing about being on the Enterprise is that it's a powerful starship. 
that's not why the Federation is great, and that's not why the Starfleet is great. It's also just bringing it back here. That's not. That's also why. That's also not the reason the United States is great. We are. The U.S. is not a great nation, and we are not a great people because we're the most powerful. Sometimes it feels like that's exactly what people are saying. If you read between the lines, there is this assumption that our approach to things is superior and the evidence is that america is the greatest country on earth trying not to go down this rabbit hole but basically the point is is that a lot of times the u.s has is, is often by assumption the example and the first point and that we will not even consider other ways of doing things because the u.s uh, obviously the way we do it is just fine because we're the most powerful country on earth if it if it didn't work we wouldn't be here at number one problem is countries don't stay number one they fall and I think it's a humility that we're, we haven't really reached yet. I think we've become more pessimistic and frustrated and we're looking for people to blame. And I think it's kind of, we're more of that state of frustration and anger and, and acting out. And I think I would be willing to bet that that's how a lot of people felt in the 60s. And that's why I kind of hope that something like Star Trek could emerge again to provide you know, not a, not the way that we overcome all our problems today or some utopian vision of, hey, this is how we get here. Because Gene Roddenberry in Star Trek doesn't really show you how we got there. He just says, we got there. And now that we're there, this is how we act. Something like that, something more positive and aspirational, I think is what I think could really do well right now. And really there's, there's an opening there for creators, writers to do that. It doesn't have to be Star Trek. It could be anything. And to just bring this all back to do to do what the current writers the current people in control of Star Trek are failing to do that Gene Roddenberry succeeded in doing that Nichelle Nichols uh, and her her cast members uh, did and just recognizing that it's not easy if it was easy the the Star Trek shows right now would be succeeding they're not they're failing and a lot of sci-fi uh, is failing right now the one exception though is Top Gun Maverick who nobody thought would make $1.3 billion, but it did. Why? When you watch that show or watch that movie, you feel good. You feel good about the ending. You feel good about it's positive, it's heroic, it's overcoming. It's Some of the characters are jackasses. Uh, Captain Mitchell is not really, is a flawed man. And in the movie, you see that he's made mistakes. And even during the movie, he makes mistakes. And it's not really about you know, pumping up, it's, I mean, it's about pumping you up overall, not about being an American, because it's really, I mean, they don't even tell you who they're bombing, or what the mission is, the, all that, the only thing you really need to know about the mission is that it's really difficult to accomplish, and that's it, but it's great, it makes you feel good, the music, the everything, it's uplifting, it just makes you feel good, that's, that you can accomplish something, that we can accomplish something, even though it's, it's something as like, you know, as, silly as just a fighter pilot doing an insane level of maneuvering and flying to bomb some nuclear site somewhere it's something that somebody told him it was impossible or they were told it was extremely difficult and that it was going to fail and they did it he did it they did it the other pilots as well succeeded in the mission to aim high and accomplish something to know that to kind of be told and kind of pushed to, to know what you're capable of I think would be is is why I think that movie is one of the reasons that movie does so well. In addition to just fighter pilots are fucking cool. Them talking about Star Trek 
during and even after as this groundbreaking, world-changing phenomena where this is so important to me. I've, I feel like I've really just, I mean, you, it, they didn't do that. They just did their, they put great work out there. The show got canceled and they, they kind of were about to go on with their lives. And then the Star Trek convention started and Nichelle Nichols went to a lot of them. And I think they came to realize and to, and to their surprise, the impact they had. But anyway, I guess maybe it was a different time. Uh, U.S. is different people. Uh, you know, we, we have to find our own 21st century version of that somehow. Of, you know, who is going to be Nichelle Nichols? Who is going to be the Lieutenant Uhura? You know, being the first doesn't matter. As I, as I mentioned, Nichelle Nichols was not the first black woman on TV. The interracial kiss was not the first interracial kiss on TV with her and Shatner, but it's remembered. Being first and breaking the barrier often is is a big deal and it's important, but sometimes it's not the one that's remembered. Sometimes, especially when it comes to TV and entertainment, it's not. Entertainment is remembered for its impact and what it makes you feel, how it moves you. Not how many demographic you know, barriers it broke. I mean, those can easily be forgotten. Everyone will clap and applaud you for doing that. But if the show is crap, it'll be forgotten. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of uh, the creators now forget is that you can get credit today for the casting decisions you made. You can get credit for the things you're showing on TV that have never been shown before, which is oftentimes is not is incorrect because a lot of these things, you're not the first, you're just saying you're the first. Or you are the first, and it's just not a very... If the show's not getting good ratings, or there's not a lot of people watching it, that means within a few years it'll be forgotten. So the fact that you, you know, in a scene here, you you depicted the first this, this, and that in Star Trek, or the first this, this, and that in Lord of the Rings, which is, I know, the big debate, big fight going on now is all the Rings of Power stuff. Even if you are the first and you break through... Can you can point to, you know, see, this is the first time in Star Trek we did this. This is the first time in Lord of the Rings uh, franchise we did that. If nobody liked this show or the movie and it's forgotten in a few years, then have you really done anything? Everyone remembers Star Trek, the original series, who watched it. And even many people that were not around for the original show have watched it since then. It mattered. It didn't have to be the first. It didn't have to do a lot of firsts, but it still mattered. And I think it's because it's it was a great show. Great story writing, great everything. All right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to definitely edit this down. So with the passing of Nichelle Nichols, we what we have of the original crew is William Shatner, uh, Walter Koenig, and George Takei. Takei. We, you know, as each as we lose each one and we go back and see what they did, Leonard Nimoy did how it's just extraordinarily big he was not just on that show but you know we, as we lose each one you know it's it's kind of uh, you know a reminder of how special that show was and how special they all were and all are the, the ones that are still with us so hoping for Star Trek to become special again and with that I will leave with that thought thank you for listening and till next time